Well, good evening, saints. We are continuing on talking about, we are continuing on talking about creation as we look at God's plan for everything. Uh, as, as we've said, to kind of form a worldview, you have to know where you come from, why you're here, and where you're going. Uh, as, as we study this, uh, we've, we've been going through creation, and uh, we're now getting to the part that deals with how man was created. Uh, we're, we've titled this section The Image of God. Uh, another way you might uh, title it, or a word you may have, or a combination of words you may have heard, is Imago Dei. I M A G O D E I. And that's just Latin for the same thing uh, the image of God. And as we uh, turn together uh, to Genesis 1.26, we're going to be looking at uh, how is man unique, how is man different, how is mankind uh, special and separated from the rest of creation. Uh, so if, if, as you're turning to Genesis 1, uh, we're going to be reading verses 26 and 27. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, this is a a very common passage, but it's one uh, that's often um, discussed. There's a a lot of different takes on uh, the image of God and what that means that mankind is made in the image of God and how that works. Uh, but as we were looking at this text, uh, one of the things, one of the questions that we answer as we look at mankind and have to answer is why does man exist? And man, male and female, is created in the image of God to bring him glory. Uh, why does man exist? Man, male and female, is created in God's image to bring him glory. Now, we're, we're going to flesh that out a little bit. Um, uh, one thing that's in, important to recognize is how things work relationally. Uh, God is a creator, and man is a creature. And like all the rest of creation, he exists to serve God and bring him glory. Uh, a little bit later in, in Genesis, in Genesis 2-7, it says uh, that man was formed of the dust of the ground and became a living being when God breathed life into him. Genesis 2-7. Uh, so man is formed by God and given life by God. Uh, but while man is a created being, he's given a special place within the created order. Uh, and the reason why is because God created man in his own image and likeness. Now, it, it's kind of interesting. This word uh, image uh, appears throughout the Bible, and it's kind of interesting where it appears most of the time. Most of the time, when, when the word and term image is used, it actually is in reference to idols. 
Now, what is an idol? An idol is an image that reflects some sort of God. There's also uh, kings and rulers who set up images in their likeness. Uh, so, so Nebuchadnezzar, we have in, in uh, the, the story of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abendo. Uh, what does he do? He, he sets up a statue in his image. And, and what does he demand people do? Worship it. Bow down to it. Uh, now, people back then, you know, they wouldn't get confused the image for the actual person. But the purpose of the image is to be a representative, a visible representative of somebody that wasn't there. So the, the, the king isn't there, but you better be bound to the statue. Uh, you, you better uh, be respecting it. And by the way, image is a great word to use for this, uh, because one of the things I I want to emphasize in this, and and this is a debate that's been going on a a long time, but uh, one thing that uh, I feel like people have theological dyslexia sometimes, so they they read that God created man in his own image, but what they read instead is God put his own image in mankind. There's a there's a little bit of a distinction. I've had uh, you know long discussions with with people kind of about this uh, because it it goes against some of the popular teaching that's out there. The image of God isn't put into man. Man is created in the image of God. So what's created in God's image? Man. Uh, it's not a, a part or, or a, a a portion of the human being. It is us as a whole whole being. Uh, both male and female ha- have this attribute. Now, why why is that distinction important? Why do I even mention it? Uh, well, part of it is because of the ways that's been a- abused. Uh, some people have, have have tried to kind of isolate or, or separate out the image of God in mankind, and, and they say, well, a uh, reason is what the image of God in mankind is what separates us from the animals and makes us distinct from all creation. Or maybe it's uh, love, or maybe it's uh, some other attribute of humanity, and they just say, this particular part, uh, this particular aspect of humanity, that's the image of God in man. So not, not saying man is in the image of God, but part of man uh, is has the image of God in it. Now, that can be a very, very dangerous thing and, and has caused some issues and abuses in the past. For example, if we say that uh, reason is the image of God in mankind, and then you come against somebody who has a mental retardation, who, who has somebody who has, or somebody who has brain damage from a traumatic event, now, does that mean that they no longer carry the image of God in them? And this type of thinking has, has occurred in the church and elsewhere. So one of the things I want you to see is that mankind is the image of an invisible God. Now, that can partially be a little bit confusing, a little bit hard to understand, but we are the physical representation on earth of an invisible God. And one of the person, people I had conversations with this about said, that, that seems like it makes man too important. I said, it, it, I don't remember how I responded, but what I should have said is, it does. 
This is part of God's grace. And mankind doesn't deserve to be made in the image of God. It is an extension of His grace that God gives value to Him. The call to worship we had uh, from Psalm 8, just verses 4 through 9, is, is the psalmist reflecting upon the goodness of God in making mankind in His image. He says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? You, you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given dominion him, to him over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet, all sheep and all oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the see. There there is a graciousness, there is a goodness from God in giving us this position, and it's certainly something that we don't deserve or merit. Uh, Another thing as we, we kind of look at this is it puts man in a unique position. Uh, One of the things that I've I've been thinking through a lot, uh, and it actually started with an a biography of Jonathan Edwards is thinking about hierarchies. In the Edwards biography, it says the Puritan world was very hierarchical and you had to figure out where you were in that hierarchy in order you could show the proper honor, respect, and deference to the right people. In creation, there's a hierarchy. There is God ruling over all. There's mankind who's under him, and then God gives mankind dominion over the creation. So mankind's supposed to be under the rule of God, but then God has given him a stewardship of ruling over and expressing dominion over creation. Um, Not to give away too much of what we'll be talking about later, but we see that flip on its head in the temptation account and the fall account. What begins to have dominion over man? Well, it's part of creation, a serpent. What does mankind go against? He goes against the command of God, setting himself as an authority over God's own rule and dominion. We have man in this unique place under the authority of God to be God's own image and likeness. And it puts him in a, a special place in creation. Uh, by the way, you know, um, the, the purpose of an image is to be seen. We mentioned that. Uh, one of the things, I, reason was why I think this is also important is it, it fights um, something Christianity has been fighting for a long time, which is called Gnosticism. Uh, Gnosticism had a, a very low view of the body and, and kind of a high view of... Um, non-physical things and they kind of said hey look the goal is to get as far away from your body and as connected to spiritual things as possible Uh, and and I think sometimes that type of thinking infects our Christianity the physical world is a good thing that God has created for his glory Uh, he has created us in his own image. I was, in fact, having a conver- I had a conversation with um, somebody who was on, on staff at First Van a long time ago. He was actually working here when I was um, going through some of the programs. I ran into him later on uh, when I was in seminary, and he, he was at a church in Dallas. And one of the things that we had a conversation one time, he said, You know, 
I, uh, I understand the resurrection's important and, and all that. And, I, you know, I'm really looking forward to go and, and, and be, with, be with God. But why, why does he have to resurrect our physical bodies? I don't like mine that much. <laughs> um, and I, I, I gave an answer that I might be able to give more fully now. But one of the things I asked him, I said, you want to see Jesus? He said, yeah. I said, do you want to have eyes to see him? <laughs> Um, but but that, that's not really in, entirely cr- correct. One of the things we are created to be is the image of God, a, a physical representation of an invisible being. And, and by the way, some, sometimes you think, how could that happen? Well, we do it all the time. Uh, we, when boats pull up past Ellis Island, what do they see? They see the Statue of Liberty, Lady Liberty. What is that? That's a physical representation of an abstract concept. Uh, Liberty doesn't wear a dress or or, or carry a torch. When you go into a courtroom, they might have scales shown somewhere to say that the scales of justice must be weighed. Truth and testimony must be weighed. Or they might even have a woman with a blindfold holding scales and a sword to represent the impartiality of justice and the punishment it brings with it. Uh So we have these physical representations uh, of the invisible and and the spiritual. And by the way, uh, all these things point to Christ, don't they? Adam fails at this, but you you read Colossians, and what, what does it talk about? He's the, the manifestation, the full revelation of Godhead in a physical form. Now, as we do this series, uh, one of the problems we have is that we're, we're flying high. Uh, we're, we're in a jet plane flying over these things, at, you know, at the cruising altitude. Uh, so we're covering a lot of ground, and we're not going on in a lot of detail. Uh, but there's some important points that come from this idea that the image of God is in mankind uh, that we need to take out. Uh, one is that God's image in mankind is expressed by mankind's dominion over creation. Uh, so, so God is a God who rules and has dominion. And we see both in uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 27 and the Psalm 8 passage that we looked at, that in both of those, one of the things that's emphasized is that the rule of God, the, the image of God, is, is connected with mankind's dominion over creation. This is a way we express that the image of God is in us. Another thing that's, that's important to point out uh, is that Genesis 1.27, both male and female are in the image of God. Uh, th- this isn't a gender-exclusive item. It's not, well, men are in the image of God, women, women a little bit less so. Also, all nations and peoples. Adam is the head of all tribes, all nations, all, all ethnicities. Uh, and so one of the things we have is the image of God is in them, and then it goes to all of their prodigy. Uh, a lot of major issues could be resolved if we had a proper theology of the image of God in all people and not divided by gender or race or other issues. 
Uh, we also see, uh, we see this uh, later on in, in Scripture, uh, is that the image of God in mankind is for the, the basis for respecting human life and dignity as a Christian. Uh, a little bit further on, uh, in Genesis 9, 6, uh, the, the Lord is talking to Noah after the flood. And one of the things he says in Genesis 9, 6 is, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Mankind is made in the image of God. Now, if, if you went out in Nebuchadnezzar's day, and you went up to that uh, statue of him, and you chiseled off a nose, or you tried to tip that thing over, uh, guess what's going to happen to you? Not very pleasant things. Now, is it because he cares about the rock? No, not really. It's because of what that represents. Mankind is the image of God. So anytime you kill somebody, anytime you shed a person's blood, it is an offense to the God in whose image that man is made. Uh, we see it also in, in James 3.9. Uh, this one's so convicting, y'all. Uh, I'm tempted not to read it just because it's so convicting. Listen to James 3.9. James 3 talks about the taming the t- of the tongue, how wicked the tongue is. Uh, and then he says in 3.9, uh, speaking of the tongue, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. So, so he's, what's he saying? Hey, you're giving lip service to God, yet you're using your tongue in a way that demeans people who are made in the image of God. So for Christians, the image of God in mankind is our basis for respecting human life and dignity. By the way, that's, that's one of the reasons uh, why we should care about issues like abortion. It is one of the reasons why we should uh, care about the dignity of all people. It's one of the reasons why we should be uh, opposed to racism and sexism. Is because each human being, it's part of the reason we're opposed to murder. Uh, It's uh, part of the reason we're opposed to all these, you know, abuses of humankind is because mankind is made in the image of God. And you can't say that you respect and honor God and yet treat people in a wicked and cruel and disrespectful way. There's a a hypocrisy in that. Uh, We also see uh, that the image of God in mankind motivates and facilitates imitating God's love and justice. Uh, just, just real quickly, I told y'all we're going to be flying fast. Y'all know me. Usually, we spend a, you know like ten weeks in, in one verse. Uh, instead, here we're flying through a bunch of verses in, in, in one message. And you, y'all know how much that pains me. I'm like, oh, okay, I want to slow down and take our time. Uh, but in order to cover the material, I'm going to read this real fast. Uh, Deuteronomy ten seventeen: For the Lord your God is God of gods, Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who is who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless, the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you are sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. And by his name you shall swear. 
He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Now, what's that getting at? It's saying, okay, your, your God was this way. God cared about the sojourner. God cared about the fatherless. God cares about all these things. He's impartial. He takes no bribe. Now, as people who have him for a God, as people who are made in the image of God, you should be reflecting these characteristics. Uh, We also see it in Matthew 5. Matthew 5 Uh, It it talks about loving your enemies. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rains on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That last verse is is conveying that we ought to be like the God in whose image we are made. To be perfected as He is perfected. Now, this is the last passage that we're we're going to be covering on on this creation portion. And, And if we look back... Uh, what we what we have so far is up to this point, mankind exists as the image of God in creation, living in a very good creation over which he ex- exercises dominion to the glory of God. Uh, but there, there's something that happens when we look around at the world today. I think there's a, a bit of a different picture going on now. Obviously, something has gone horribly wrong. We're going to discuss more and more uh, what went wrong as we go over the next section, the fall. But one thing I I want to emphasize and to make sure is, is very important is that the fall doesn't remove the image of God from mankind. Mankind is still the image of God. A part of that we, we saw in Genesis 9-6 where it talks about uh, if, if man sheds blood, then his blood's going to be required of him because mankind is made in the image of God. That's after the fall. Uh, that, that's after the flood. So one of the things we see is even though mankind has uh, diminished in his capacity and ability to uh, reflect the glory of God, Mankind still serves as an image of God, even after the fall. And that God places a value and a priority on His image. Uh, As we go through this, there are all sorts of applications in terms of how we treat other people. Uh, One of the, the convicting things for me is just that James passage like, Hey, how can you say you love God, yet you talk poorly? about those who are made in the image of God. If we have a, a proper understanding that, that people's value and dignity comes from God, one of the things uh, I, I have to do is I have to remind myself of that. Now, some people make it easy. 
Uh, there, there's some people that are that are easy to love, easy to like, and the uh, it's easier to see the image of God in them. Some people you got to squint a little bit. You know, you you got to think, oh goodness, this person is made in the image of God. I have to trust God's word on it because I have trouble seeing it. <laughs> Lord, give me give me grace to treat them as somebody made in Your image. Don't let my angerness, don't let my bitterness, don't let my lack of patience treat them as anything less than someone who is made in your image. May I honor you, may I worship you by treating people well because they deserve it. This story that mankind is made in the image of God is something uh, that is radically different than what the world says particularly in our culture and context. Our culture and context says that uh, we are slightly more evolved apes. Uh, We're animals with a lot of odd customs. We have something to tell the world in terms of the value of humanity and the beauty and the glory that we can find in it. Uh, So I hope as, as you go out, you're reminded that you are the image of God in creation, that part of your purpose is to glorify Him and bring Him glory by the way in which you represent the invisible God on creation. I hope you are encouraged to treat others with respect and dignity as image bearers of God. And I hope you look to the one who fulfilled where Adam failed, and fully represented what it means to be a man who glorifies God throughout all his life. The visible manifestation of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus Christ, for whom all things were created and by whom all things were created. is the ultimate fulfillment. We're not there yet. But He's working in us toward that goal so that when we see Him, we will be made like Him for His glory. We've got one more song and then we'll have a benediction.